We had a financial supporter write in, and he asked this question here. What are your thoughts about the warnings in the New Testament regarding wolves in sheep's clothing or about weeds among the wheat? How am I to think about them as well as respond to them? What is the best approach when dealing with this subject? Do you have any practical advice? Whoa, <laughs> what a question. That is a that is a question that is chocked full of landmines and contours and a lot that needs to be said about it. And so I'm going to tackle that question today. The title of the podcast is, What Are Your Thoughts About Wolves and Weeds in the Church? Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to your daily drive. As always, you can read these podcasts, so please go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this title, What Are Your Thoughts About Wolves and Weeds in the Church? Had two testimonies come in today. Marcy said this, Your ministry has catapulted me. That's a good thing, by the way. For those of you who want to be catapulted, well, listen up. Marcy's got some words for you. She says, your ministry has catapulted me in personal growth and community service and connection, and my heart is grateful. Well, Marcy is a student in our Mastermind program, and so if you're looking for something that will catapult you, I, I, I like the language. I like the word smithing there. Well, I would encourage you to check out our Mastermind information page. We have a lot of people that are checking it out. And if you have more questions after you read that page and gather all of that information and process it, pray about it, talk to someone close to you, and there are more questions, please let us know. It would be our joy to, to answer them. And then Eileen wrote in. She said, I loved this episode. I've already listened to it three times. The episode that she is talking about is the most recent Life Over Coffee episode, 226, Do You Want to Break Free from Bad Habits? Eileen has listened to it three times. Now, Eileen, if you listen to an episode three times, you are required to go and write a review about, uh, on the platform where you're listening to, this pod, to that podcast, Life Over Coffee. If you would, Eileen, if you would write a review, it will help us to reach more people, and I would appreciate it. All right, let's talk about wolves and weeds in the church. You attend a a local church. Well, there may be some wolves in there. Not sure about that. That's subjective, but it's possible. But I, I know that there are weeds in there. Let's see what the Bible has to say about these two things first, and then we will we will launch right into practical advice that our supporting member is asking me for. In Matthew 7, 15 through 20, it says this, Jesus is talking, beware of false prophets. These are leaders. Uh, we would apply that today, leaders in a local church who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So says Jesus from the, from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 20. And then if we move about six more chapters farther, uh, this is chapter 13, 24 through 30, Jesus is talking again. He put another parable before them saying, quote, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell you, or I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned but gather the wheat into my barn, so says Jesus in Matthew 13. Thus, the title of the podcast and the article, What Are Your Thoughts About Wolves and Weeds in the Church? Thank you so much for this question. We have two people groups here, and we have one problem. Both people groups, we're talking about wolves and wheat. I'm sorry. <laughs> wolves and weeds are not genuine believers. The wolf is more destructive and he, and sounds more destructive. The, the, the weed sounds more passive, but don't be fooled by the weed. But you can see from Jesus' use of that descriptor of wolf, the wolf is a teacher given power and authority over the sheep. James 3.1 is an excellent verse. It talks about the significance and the, the sobriety of, of being a, a leader, a teacher in a local assembly. The wolf's mission is to destroy. There's another text in John's gospel that kind of gets at this idea, and I think it would be appropriate to share that with you here. That's John 10.10, where Jesus, again, talking, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You could apply that to the wolf that is in sheep's clothing. Jesus went on to say, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. There's the antithesis right there. If you are looking for the opposite of the wolf, you are looking for a shepherd. And he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so if you want to, if you're trying to identify what this wolf is, perhaps you can look at the counter argument and look at what the wolf is not, a good shepherd. Destruction is what wolves do. Though weeds do create disunity and heartbreak too, the vital assessment that reveals their lack of authenticity, as you heard in this passage, these two passages that I read to you, the assessment that you want to make is their fruit. Their fruit will reveal their actions. 
Now, if you want to know more about the fruit, specifically of wolves in sheep's clothing, perhaps you can read my article about how to identify spiritual abuse in the local church. In that article, and it's linked here, by the way, the title of the article is Eight Signs of Spiritual Abuse. And what I do in that article is I walk through uh, some of the indicators that you will see. I don't I don't think, I don't recall calling them wolves in sheep's clothing in that article, but that article would be quite appropriate because I do provide eight examples of what to look for with spiritual abusers, and there is no question that wolves in sheep's clothing are spiritual abusers among everything, uh, among other things. Now, let me give you a word of caution here. You want to be careful with your assumptions and interpretations. As you prepare yourself for decisive steps, if a wolf is masquerading as a sheep or the weeds are sucking the life out of the wheat, but I caution you about making conclusions too quickly because it's tricky to distinguish weeds from the wheat, and whether you should tolerate them or not. As you heard in the passage, Jesus said, let them stay. You want to be very careful, not just because it's hard to distinguish, but because what you're talking about is an action that could be detrimental to the church, and you want to make sure that you you know what you are doing, you know what you are seeing. Now, the behaviors of a wolf could be more transparent. I mean, one of the ways that you would identify a wolf is that they teach false doctrine. That's what Christ was saying earlier in that text. There are false prophets, and their actions do not square with the Word of God. Now, you may see other overt signs of abuse, and that's why that article would be helpful if you want to do a little more study on this subject. And so then you have the wolf working under the guise of an angel of light. Now, that, that becomes tricky, too. And that's how Dave, uh, Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and it's hard to distinguish. And so my point here is to be careful with your assessments. The challenge is is that no situation is the same. And so there will be different responses needed for what you are observing. I want to give you four illustrations of what I'm talking about here. In some cases, you you can ignore what is happening. The problem may resolve itself in time. There is prudence in overlooking an offense assuming that what, you, what they are doing is not adversely affecting others. And the potential weed or wolf has a track record of transformation. You know, sometimes when you talk to a person, I mean, you know them. You know their history, their pattern of life, and they, they might do dumb things, but you overlook it. And one of the reasons that you overlook it because you know that they have a track record of making this thing right. They have a track record of doing the right thing. And so that's why I say in some cases you can ignore what is happening. Obviously, this is on the lesser end, the lower end of the, of the scale of causing problems in a church. Here's another one. In some situations, you could confront them for what they are doing. 
For example, Paul says that we are to warn the idle in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and so sometimes admonishing a person is appropriate. My point here is that you have different responses based on what you are observing. Sometimes you may want to overlook it because the person is not the biggest of deals and the person has a track record of, of transformation. Sometimes you want to confront, as Paul did say in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Here's a third illustration. You may realize that your best course of action is just to get out of Dodge. The harm they are doing requires that you leave the scene. Now, this response raises all sorts of questions, like for those who are left behind. And those things will have to be addressed as you make your exodus from the church because it's dangerous for you to be there. And we have interacted with folks who have come to our forums who were in that situation. And so it's a unique situation, and I won't be able to address all the particulars in this podcast. But if that is your situation, and you believe that you need to get out of Dodge, then please, you need to be talking to somebody, and that could be the right thing. So you can overlook, you can confront, you can get out of Dodge, and then number four, you could also lovingly, lovingly engage the person, hoping to have civil discourse with them. This response is not so much about a warning. It is really a brother coming alongside a fellow believer in a spirit of gentleness with the hope of restoring them. Paul talks about this concept in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. If a brother is caught in sin, you restore him in a spirit of gentleness. There's a little bit of difference here between that and 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, where you confront, in this case, the idle person. And so all situations are different. Sometimes you overlook, sometimes you confront, sometimes you get out of dodge, sometimes you lovingly engage, and you want to consider these things. Are they appropriate for the individual that you are assessing and trying to understand? The key idea is that you have to let wisdom lead, because you can see that what I'm addressing here is a wisdom issue. I have encountered many challenging people in the church who seemed to be weeds, only to find out they were Christians. And one of the reasons for what it seemed to be true, though it wasn't true, is they were hurting and reacting to the bad things that had happened to them in their past. Christianity can be tough on people. I think most of you know that. We need to say that out loud because it's true. We need to talk about these things that are wrong with us. And it's not out of the realm of possibilities that folks are carrying a lot of hurt from friendly fire or maybe from pagan parents. For example, a Christian who has been reared by an angry or passive dad will have a hard time learning how to relate well with others as an adult. It happens all the time. Their social skills are lacking, and they come across awkwardly. Salvation does not solve all their problems, not entirely. It only puts them on the path to transformation. We are a work in progress, which is why I'm cautioning you about reacting too quickly with the wrong attitude or at the wrong time. The progressive nature of sanctification could take them many years to learn and model historic Christian virtues, like what you read of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. These people are not weeds at all. 
There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are still drinking the milk of God's Word. They are immature. The way you gauge this is according to what I said earlier. Do they have a pattern of repentance in their lives? Is their humility there present even though they keep bumbling along? Then on the other end of the spectrum are actual weeds who have one objective, which is to tear down the name of God by bringing confusion, divisiveness, and pain to his sheep. In these situations, someone must confront them while simultaneously protecting the sheep. In a sense, it's, it's similar to parenting. Attuned parents can tell the difference between the active rebellious child and the one who is bumbling along but is not really an active rebellious child. Perhaps you could follow Paul's advice in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 where he added two more types of people alongside the one that you admonish. He said admonish the idol. But he gives specific but different instructions on how to serve the other two. The idle person you rebuke, but then he mentions the faint-hearted or the small-souled person you encourage that person. And then he talks about the weak person, you help them. And so what appears right to the naked eye might not be the case upon closer examination. And so this point under this heading is, let wisdom lead. One thing that has helped me to think about this weed-wolf problem is to come at it from a shepherd-to-sheep perspective. I mentioned that earlier. If you want to see the antithesis, is if, if it's a wolf in, in sheep's clothing and you want to see what the, the actual biblical model is, then you look at the shepherd. And that's one of the ways that you can tell if it is truly a wolf because a shepherd is, is distinct. And you even feel the difference when you are around a good shepherd. I try to imagine the good shepherd looking over his sheep while asking this question, how will I take care of my sheep? You see, a good shepherd would be asking that question. And by the way, you could apply this to how a husband thinks about his wife. A good shepherd husband will say, how can I take care of my wife? How can I serve her, lead her, provide, protect? How can I take care of her? A good shepherd husband will do that. A father thinks the same about his children. A father looks out over his sheep, his children, and his thoughts are how I take care of how I take care of them. And by the way, the wife of the good shepherd husband and the children of a good shepherd father, they feel that. Just a brief moment with husbands. Good husbands are like good shepherds. They are protective of their spouses. It is every husband's leadership responsibility to protect their wives. Being diligent in providing care to them is a top priority. For example, God calls husbands to discern their wives in 1 Peter 3, 7, and to protect and nourish and cherish them in Ephesians 5, 29. That's what a good shepherd, that's some of what a good shepherd husband looks like. Fathers, the number one characteristic of being a man is to be fatherly. It does not matter if the person is young, old, married, or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't require children to be fatherly. 
God the Father provides a pr- protective, caring template for all men to follow. The father of lies, Satan, is the counter of a good father, which is what weeds and wolves are. When leading a teenage son, you want, to, you want him to have fatherly characteristics, which is a beautiful word picture for you to evaluate how he is doing and also to evaluate how the dad is leading him. And so this idea of a good shepherd, which is a good picture of how to see the antithesis of what they should be, is the call to protect. And what I want to do in the remainder of this podcast, for my supporting member who asked the question, he asked for practical advice on wolves and and weeds within the local church, I want to turn the tables. In fact, I want to turn the tables for all of us. You see, it would be suitable for all of us to step back. Me too. I'm stepping back right now, sort of, kind of, in my mind. But to step back for a moment uh, for reflective self-assessment. All that I have mentioned thus far applies to all Christians. It does. You see, the temptation could be to focus only on those out there who are doing wrong while not addressing areas where you need to change, where I need to change. This kind of thing often happens with those who have experienced hurt from leaders, like from pastors or fathers or or, or from husbands. It does happen, and, and sometimes you can map your experience over that, and as soon as you hear this idea of this concept of wolves and weeds, you can immediately jump to all of them out there, and that's appropriate. I have been addressing that, but again, I want to turn to tables because it's so easy to forget about the log that is in our own eyes. It should be our priority to be excellent soul, to provide excellent soul care to anyone who is under our influence. Thus, it would be helpful to have a few, a few thoughtful questions. They could be perfect for you. What you want to assess is how well are you caring for souls, those within your sphere of responsibility and influence. Besides the immediate positive effect of this kind of examination, you'll also be setting an example, an excellent example, by your humility for others to emulate. I want to share with you a few thoughtful ideas with questions for you to think about as you do self-examination. Here's the first one. As you look out over your field and observe your sheep and your pasture, how are you doing in providing care for them? Perhaps it would be an excellent leadership opportunity if you ask those this question with those that are within your care. I would love for you to think about the sheep in Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. You know that passage. Short passage. You'd be good to read it. And as you think about that passage, think about yourself and talk about the care of the shepherd. Look at the shepherd in that passage. Actually, you can't look at the shepherd so much in that passage because he's only mentioned in in the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, and the rest of that passage is the sheep talking about the shepherd. Do those within your care talk about you that way? As you look out over your field, observe your sheep. How are you doing in providing for them? Number two, are those within your responsibility of care, are they growing, maturing, and changing? How do you know? 
what would be some measurable, objective data points? These questions that I've just asked you, they apply to pastors, small group leaders, husbands, fathers, mothers, ministry leaders, brothers, sisters, and any other person who is bringing care to others. Here's a third one. Are they secure, not timid people? This question is instructive because our Adamic bend is timidity, shame, guilt, fear, worry, insecurity. We're all like that when we come into the world, and, and sometimes because of the experiences that happen to us, we, we become worse. We regress. Some folks with whom you serve will struggle more than others. Listen to how the sheep in Psalm 23, the shepherd, or how the sheep talks about the shepherd, and the intentionality of the shepherd's leadership. He says this in verse 2, He, the shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures. He, the shepherd, leads me beside still waters. Notice how the good shepherd has to make his sheep lie down in green pastures, which implies he has to be intentional about and attentive to the sheep's fears. A timid sheep will not automatically lie down in green pastures, but has to be made to do it, and he will only do it if the conditions are right. Here's the question. Do you know how to care for an insecure person within your sphere of responsibility? Another one. A good question that gets to the heart of setting the conditions right to provide transformative soul care is... Have you created a gracious environment that reduces fear while encourages growth? Take the temperature of your home. Take the temperature of the place where you have responsibility. Is it warm and friendly or overcast and negative? In verse 5 in Psalm 23, it says, You, the shepherd, prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. The shepherd goes to great lengths to prepare a table, a mesa, for his sheep, which implies he, he rids the table, the mountain area, of all the poisonous plants and harmful things that will hurt or kill the sheep. An instructive question about this could be, are you removing specific things that bring harm to the souls of those within your responsibility? Are you preparing a table before them? One of the most effective ways to protect people from the damage that the weeds can cause is by maintaining biblical vigilance over the sheep. You do this by protecting and observing and measuring and assessing and caring and loving the sheep. Question for you. How would you rate your intentionality toward those who receive your care? Many of you are listening to this podcast and you're going down the road, and I just ask you a, a ton of questions. The title of the podcast is, What Are Your Thoughts About Wolves and Weeds in the Church? And if you're really interested, when you get back home or get to wherever you are, perhaps you can take a moment and you can pull up this article and bookmark it, print it off. And, and what I would like for you to do is, is to go back through these questions and these comparative things that I'm making between you and the Good Shepherd, or in my case, between me and the Good Shepherd, their overall spiritual health of the people within your care 
that is your best clue to who affects them and how effective the care is. You see, all leaders must engage the sheep in their pastures, whether that's a church, a home, a school, a workplace. We cannot be passive. We cannot be detached or distant. We cannot be angry, critical, or discouraging. Now, I'm sure that we are some of those things some of the time. That is an episode. That is not a pattern. But if that is the pattern in your life, then that is a problem because you are not creating an environment where the sheep can boldly and confidently confidently proclaim, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that is the beginning and the end of Psalm 23. And you, you feel the contentment and the confidence of the sheep as he thinks about the good shepherd, the person who is providing care and leadership and, and intentionality and protection and love and care over them. Do those within your sphere have that kind of, of secure confidence because of your leadership. I have some call-to-action questions here, and I would love for you to get into those as well as at the end of the article. I also would encourage you to go to our topical index page because I know that an article like this can be a can of worms that can lead to further discussion, and there's no way to address all the contours of abuse, mishandling situations, poor parenting, and marriage problems. And so I have some links here at the bottom and throughout the article I would love for you to check out. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.